0: Get ready for the world's greatest Arsenal podcast. Welcome to another podcast by Guns and Yellow Ribbons. Enjoy the show.
1: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Guns and Yellow Ribbons. My name is Fergus. I'm joined today by Gunnar Hilsey and Dan It's the three of us in the room today. Uh, we're a little bit downbeat but hopeful. Uh, for the game tomorrow. It's Friday night and um, we're going to talk Arsenal. We're going to talk the Arsenal Man City game. We're going to talk about the the good, the bad, the indifferent about it and then we're going to look ahead to the Villa game um, we've got a few videos uh, to show you. They're short and they mightn't have audio. Um, and we're on YouTube only. So if you're watching the video, it's YouTube only because Facebook got really, really nasty with me and threatened to shut down the Facebook page and everything else. So um, if you like and want to follow this this uh, normally, uh, just click on the little bell and you'll get a reminder that it turns up each time. Um, join in the chat and uh, have, you, have your say. We'll more, be more than happy to talk to you. Dan? You any more upbeat than uh, at what was a half past nine on on Wednesday night
2: yeah I am a bit better um football affects my mood way too much even yesterday but um watching the game back I'm a bit more happy and a bit more uh, a bit more logical I think in my faults when you uh, when you first lose a game like that and yeah it's quite disappointing but yeah on to, on to tomorrow.
1: Trev, uh, we've even got a video here at halftime. You'd had two lemonades, no beer,
0: and you're all right. Yeah, sound. Yeah, sound's a pound. Listen, boys, you can't still be downbeat, you know. I, don't be downbeat about us losing a game. I, I was upset and di- I was disappointed when we lost. I was disappointed for some of yesterday. But at the end of the day, we're the Arsenal. We, we, we'll bounce back. The little side that, we, you know, we're a young side. We got beat by a better side on the night. And that's the end of it. We. I don't even think we played that badly. One or two players didn't play to their best. I was disappointed, yeah, but I'm not downbeat tonight, honestly. I'm looking forward to Saturday. That's what I'm doing. You know, looking forward to tomorrow.
1: Well, um, you know, it it was a good game. It was a huge game. Lawrence, we will talk about that probably later in this podcast. Briefly touch on the Europa League. We'll probably keep that for... um, probably the next podcast because we should have maybe the next podcast or the podcast afterwards if the europa league will affect our, our title chances because we'll know uh come next Wednesday or Thursday uh an indication of who we're going to have and the draws on Friday so we'll know exactly who who we've got uh come Friday next is it Friday next week trev the,
0: a week today the draws at midday well this time next week we'll know who we're going where we're going on uh, March the 9th
1: Okay. Okay. Um I probably won't be able to join you on that European tour this this leg but um hopefully as we continue all the way to Budapest uh, we'll, we will we should be going. Got it. <laughs> <Gutted. laughs> Right, listen, um, we met up, the three of us met up in Liverpool Street beforehand because you were in Essex for the day and I come in from Essex and so does, so does Dan. Uh, so Liverpool Street was a, a good venue to meet. We had a, a couple of beers uh, and then headed up to the stadium. But Trev, we bumped into somebody while we were there. You're sitting
0: there and you're going, I recognise this guy. Yeah, I I just sat there and thought, oh, I know that face over there. And it, was, it turned out to be Tony Cotty, didn't it? And, you know, Looked at him and thought, yeah, ex-footballer, what a good player he was. But you'd had, had a few, hadn't you, Fergus? So you had to go over and put your Irish charm on him and have a chat with him. And uh, so we ended up having a quick chat. Well, only a very quick chat with him, but he was a lovely man. What have you done with Dan?
1: I've done nothing. Yeah. He's, I think his internet has just dropped or his computer's done an, an update Man's or something gone. like that. Uh, but, yeah, I had the same amount of beer as you had, mate. Um, hello, Donna. You're live. Yeah. <laughs> Hi Uh, <laughs> uh well, I just walked up to him. I just walked up to him and said that you you thought uh, he looked like Tony Cotty. and he said I might do. And then uh you came over and I said I said it is because of the way he said it I might do. And you said to him you'd taken a sneaky photograph and you're going to send it to Kevin Campbell who's a friend of ours. He said what well, your friends with Kevin? He said yeah he said, we'll take a proper photo of that and send it to him. And this is the photo uh, we took it's a great photograph actually great photograph
0: we so, must add it was we did explain that kevin campbell was a friend of the show and he, he's a friend of us on social media i would love to call kevin campbell more of a friend than that because he's an absolute gentleman um and one day maybe we will but uh, yeah he he, he he was he was lovely he said he knew kevin and kevin was a mate of his and i said well you seem as nice a bloke as him and it was it was nice what was it a two-minute chat fergus Two minutes, chat, just one minutes
1: of... yeah, just so long. Oh, he, was, he was with family and he was having a few drinks. He asked us if we were gooners and we we're heading up to the stadium and everything else. So, yeah, it was it was good. Um, so, um, lineups, ups um, Dan, what did you expect of these lineups? Uh, there was some changes. Ben White was dropped. Tommy Asu was brought in. Um, Jorginho was brought in for party. Uh, obviously, party was a late injury. Um, otherwise, it remained more or less the same. What did you make of the lineup? Were you pleased that um, Ben White was dropped, and how did you feel about Party getting injured?
2: Yeah, firstly, sorry about that. My uh, Windows decided to have a restart just at the right moment. So uh, yeah, oh, you. <laughs> like you said, obviously offended my laptop. Um, Yeah, the lineup. To be fair, I I wouldn't have made any changes um, at all for the City game, as I said last time, if we could help it. I think for me, the time to make changes was the Brentford game. Um, Having said that, obviously, Partey being injured, I don't think there's any other option. Um, That's what Jorginho is brought in for, so I can understand that one. I understand the Tommy change. I just feel like it was a game too late. So for me, I wouldn't have made that change.
1: Trev, what did you make of um, the, the changes? Were, were you, 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 Mister, one hundred percent positive? So you probably think it was brilliant, uh, brilliant move, didn't you?
0: Well, I, I didn't expect Tommy Yasu to play, to be honest, but I wasn't disappointed that Tommy Yasu played because I think he does just as good a job as Ben White. So thought well, maybe Ben White might have had a little niggle that we don't know about, or a bit of a doubt, blah blah blah. So in came Tommy Yasu, Um I, I didn't. I was worried about how Juninho was going to play and. I've, I've had to watch the game back to find out that he actually didn't do too badly, but Martin, where I would have liked to have seen a change, Fergus, as I said last week, and I'll say again now, was up front, mate. I, I didn't think I don't think we've we've uh, we performed to our best up front in the middle of the park, and it, I don't think it would have hurt to have changed it, but Arteta didn't, and he's the boss.
1: Mm. Mm. Um, there was uh, a stat that came up. Uh, Dan Harry from uh, the Black Boots uh, uh, page put this up. I think this is post the game, but we hadn't won against City uh, since a 2-1 uh, win at home in the home league uh, since City. We played 19, won uh, two games, both in the FA Cup semi-finals, even against the odds, and we went on to win the final against Chelsea against the odds in the FA Cup final. Drawn two, lost 15, scored 14 and conceded 44 goals. It's an awful lot of goals to concede against a Man City side, and especially a side that now had this prolific striker in uh, Haaland. Dan, were you worried uh, about what the scoreline might be going into it?
2: No, to be honest, I think I said before the game, I expected us to be able to to get a result against them. Um, I feel more positive about us as a team, or felt more positive about us as a team going into the game than worrying about them. Um, I feel like on our ground, we can beat any team in the world.
1: Mm. Yeah. Um, And uh, the atmosphere. Um, Trev, you haven't been to uh, the stadium for a competitive game this season. And yes, you could see that the atmosphere was improved last season with the introduction of the and Army and people coming back after COVID, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Myself and Dan thought it was a little bit flat on the concourse in comparison to some other games, but it still was. Well, we got in late as well, um, which doesn't make a difference, but it still was a great, great atmosphere. What did you make of the atmosphere?
0: I, I thought the atmosphere was really good, mate. I mean, <clears throat> even when we went goals down, they were still, the Arsenal fans were still trying to lift the players. And that's, that's a, a real sign, just after the opposition scored a goal, is a real sign of where your support is and I thought our support was really good on the night. I can't compare it to anything, because so I've not been to any other home games this season, Vegas. but from what I saw as a first look, I thought our fans were very positive, and I thought they did their very best to um, to raise our side. Mate, I, you, I, I've, I need to chip in on that last point about the statistics that, that you asked, Dan, in that I was that confident we would get a result. I, 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 I've been down, I'm, I'm recorded this, saying I didn't think we'd lose the game. I didn't think we could lose the game. And I absolutely didn't think we could lose the game. I was full of hope and expectation. And that's where you can challenge those statistics you just just mentioned about all the goals conceded and all the games were lost. The last three games we've lost against Manchester City, right? I don't know. I honestly think that on another day, we win all three of them games. The game last season where we lost 2-1 at the Emirates was, was a travesty. We lost in a cup. God, it was a toss of a coin. It could have gone either way. We lost in the cup and we lost on Wednesday night this week because I think Man City found a way to beat us halfway through the second half or or about 15 minutes in the second half. Man City changed their tactics and we weren't quite clever enough to match them, to play against them. On another night, we do and we win that game. So it might sound like sour grapes. We've lost three games. You have to hold your hands up and say that. But where it's changed is that now when we play Man City, I'll go into a game full of hope. When we played Man City at their place at the start of last season and we got hammered, we all knew we wouldn't win that game. We all knew we didn't have a hope in hell of getting anything out of that game. And that's where it's changed. now. And even next time we play Man City up at their place, I still think we've got a great chance of getting a result. And that's where it's all changed, Fergus. We'll be all right. Honestly, we will. Please.
1: Oh, hang on. I've got something going on on the other screen. One second. Um, so, uh, Eddie I'll, 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 Dan, while I I'll, I'll line this up, because talk to me what you thought about the atmosphere and in particular the North London Forever um, uh, that 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 started off at the at the start of the game.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the the concourse first of all, it certainly wasn't bad. Um, I think it, it was a bit quieter at times compared to what we've had at times this year, um, but nothing majorly disappointing for a, for a midweek game thought it was still quite good. But, yeah, the actual atmosphere in the, in the ground when the game kicked off, I thought was great that the fans supported the team, got behind them. But, yeah, the, I don't know if it was just the occasion for me, but that was one of sort of the, the loudest I thought I'd heard in North London forever. And also, give me the tingles a little bit.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Dan. I mean, I'm, talking as someone who's been with my first home game this season, I couldn't agree with you more, Danny. The air's on the back. Well, what air I've got on the back of mine, excellent Mm -hmm. on air. It was wonderful.
2: How does it come across then, Trev, in the ground compared to on the telly?
0: Oh, just the same. You can tell on the telly that that, that our fans are really doing it this season. And uh, that was proven in the ground on Wednesday night. Absolutely proven in the ground on Wednesday night. Every, the support was all over. And it, I looked around the ground and it was all around the ground, the support. It weren't just the Ashburton Army or Blocks 5, 6 and 7 or Blocks 1 and 2. It was Blocks all around the ground the fans were getting behind the team and, and that's what we need.
2: Yeah. I'll mm. tell you one thing that bugs me though and I, from watching this back and I've seen it on a few games when I've watched the games back. When are we going to get the respect that Liverpool get when they sing their anthem where Squire stopped talking and they just let people listen to it in the background. I'd love them to hear us do it. You know, prime opportunity on Wednesday, just stop the commentators from speaking and let the, the crowd noise be heard
0: on the telly. It's really interesting. Sorry, for Can I interject again now? Yeah, carry on. Um, it's interesting you should say that as well, Dan, in that when we played at, um, at Liverpool in the League Cup semi-final last year, when we played the game at their place... Um, when they played you'll never walk alone before the game, as they do, um, they couldn't get the tannoy loud enough. I've got a video of that on my phone. And halfway through, you'll never walk alone. It's booming. You can hear Arsenal, Arsenal. And that's how good our fans can be. I've never known you'll never walk alone, shouted down at Liverpool. It was amazing. It was amazing support for our team. So, And you're right. Having that anthem, it, it sort of gives you a bit of expectation and, and it gives you a bonus you, before the game starting i wasn't waiting for kickoff before the start of the game i was waiting for the anthem i was waiting for north london forever i wanted it to happen and when it happened the whole ground lifted you know and and, and that's when you need to kick off a game we've got that anthem now the whole crowd sings and they're lifted kick the game off while the crowd's up there they want to sing you know that's where it's that's where it's needed right before the start of the game. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, I'm talking a lot again. I'm stopping now. <laughs>
1: what's what? What's new, Trev? You you do like you do like to have a natter, don't you?
0: What chocolate you for?
1: <laughs> We've got a new one of those. Um, we have got a new one. <laughs> I'm just trying to find. Uh, da- Dan, can you send me that um, that stat about the possession? You know the the the. Um, the the way it flows between the the games, because I want to talk about that at some point as well. I'm I'm trying to find it here on WhatsApp, but at 21 minutes in, um, Eddie, uh, that's it. Yeah, thanks. Um, 21 minutes in, Eddie has um, a fantastic opportunity um, to to head the ball and bring us 1-0 ahead. Now, myself and Trev, and, and even like Dan after the game, but Trev and I today were talking, and this isn't digging out, Eddie uh, sort of moment but it's clear fact that Eddie on two occasions, one in the first half one in the second half, just didn't have a shooting boots or a shooting head on, let's have a look at this, there's no sound Dan talk me through your thoughts on this and then I'll go to Trev There we go So a cross comes into Eddie and Kettier I'll just play it one more time again so the cross comes in there. Eddie uh, just shoots it and goes over the bar. He, he, there's nobody on him. There's no, he's not marked by anybody or anything. Surely he should have got
2: more, done better than that. I don't mind people missing chances because you're never, ever going to score every opportunity. But for me, it's the, the timing of that chance where I felt like we were on top. And when you're on top against a side as good as City, you have to take your chances. And the only way to change games is to score goals. Really, that that is the difference between... Winning and losing titles and and trophies year in year out is that you take chances when you're on top of the game and you make it count. Um, I think Eddie's a good finisher. I don't think that's certainly not his weakness. Um, yeah, he he needs to do better. And he he's he's only young, and I, I don't want to criticise him as, as as Trev said. I think he has stepped in and done very well. Um, but that's a prime example where if you want to be a leading striker for Arsenal, you got to put them away.
1: Without going going in on on Eddie too much, uh, another player that came into a little bit of um, criticism was Tommy Asu. He's back in the side uh, after uh, a few weeks out and Ben White had done a great job. And in the last few games, people were questioned maybe to rotate him, maybe he was getting a bit tired. Tommy Asu um, did this, uh, trying to put a ball back to Ramsdale. Um, not Martinelli, Ramsdale. <laughs> I haven't made that mistake tonight. Uh, let's have a talk about this, and then you can talk about. Uh, there, that. There's still time. Go Gone, Trev. I I
0: can't I, I can't not talk about Eddie here. Focus. Go this, on. It's conjecture in in the um in the um. That's not Eddie. That's a defence. That's Tommy. No, I know, I know, I know. But like you just said, we have to be so careful because we're known as a podcast that doesn't go heavy on any of our players or or our team as such, right? But it has to be said that we are allowed to say what we think about their performances. Yeah, in in a, and I honestly think that any top striker in the Premier League gets that header on target. Doesn't necessarily score a goal, but he gets that header on target. He makes the goalkeeper make a save because there's no challenge on him at all. There, that is that is an easy header. I'm sorry, but it is right. And there was a there was a little bit later in the game. I don't. Know, I'm sorry. I don't know if you've lined it up, Fergus. I didn't see it. I on haven't.
1: The I haven't. No, I've just there's lined one a little up.
0: Later a... Game when when he should have passed to Martinelli on my box, and um, shot, and the shot was nothing. And Martinelli would have had a tapping. Any, other, any top striker in the league you know, sees that space now in the Premier League. You don't get so many greedy strikers. You get strikers finding people in space if they've got a better opportunity. So I, I think that for the last two or three games, Eddie has been one of the major issues in our side. He's not a young lad, by the way. He's 23, coming up 24. Um, and I just think that, how can I put it? I just think that Jesus would have given us a much better chance of winning that game on Wednesday night for, for reasons which we'll discuss in a bit and a top, top striker would have put that head, one would have either put that header away or squared the ball for Martinelli, either, either one of them would have come off because you know, you're looking at one in two good chances normally and the striker is going to bang it in the net. Um, so yeah, we, we have to say that about Eddie. I love the it's, lad. I love, he, he he deserves he deserves credit, Trev. Like you know, he's deputised for Jesus.
1: He scored seven and seven, but unfortunately he hasn't scored in the last four. So people are going to start calling him out. Um, what what what? Well, probably I don't know if they're right to call him out or not, but people will call them out. Just that's just the nature of it. But what did you make of Tomiyasu's um error of judgment to pass
0: pass his shot to Ramsdale? It could happen to any. It can happen to any defender, Fergus. They have those blind moments. They have their moments, and especially where Arsenal's tactics are to lay the ball back to the keeper. That's Arsenal's tactics. Not not, not for Tommy Asu to take a couple of touches and try and turn or whack it into touch. Arsenal's tactics are to feed it back to the keeper or feed it to another player in space, no matter how deep you are in the field. So, although I was disappointed with Tommy Asu, I wasn't angry at him and he has my full sympathy because we all know that Tommy Asu is a better player than that. Tommy Asu is a better player than that. And uh, that's not a regular occurrence. I think you possibly, someone's going to shout me out here, but I can't recall him making another major error like that in all the t- times he played for Arsenal. So come on, we're going to give the lad a break, I reckon, and uh, get behind him as we did. And then there's another example for the fans, then, like you said, when Tommy Asu made that mistake, when we were having, when we weren't up there, when we weren't making shouts for for, for competition wins, he'd have got, but we're well, not booed, but they'd have been on his back all game. As soon as that happened, that 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 incident happened straight from the kickoff, the crowd are Tommy Super Tom, they're right lifting him again. You know, so proud of the fans and Tommy Ash is all right.
1: That what that was that was really um, Dan. You'll you'll know from being at the games uh, this season. Any time that we have gone behind the crowd, have got behind with Arsenal. Arsenal Home whole away, we've got behind them. Even Everton, when it was really flat uh, last week, um, uh, not last week, a couple of weeks ago, um, the, it, it pe- pe- the, the fans still got behind them, and that was that was exceptional, wasn't it, Super Tom?
2: Yeah, I think the media paint a really bad picture of our fans, and that comes from social media. Whereas for me, the you know the real fans that go week in week out get behind the team and have shown all season that they get behind the team um and as a player that that can only lift you you know we've, we've seen it from the start of the season where saliba scored an own goal and then he got cheered and he came back and and even the players you know zinchenko going over to tommy and you know trying to pick him up and saying come on let's go again um people make mistakes and as, as trevor said he shouldn't be criticized for making a mistake i think it's just down to composure and sometimes a game like that can get the best of most players Everyone knows how big a game that was. The players would have been told how big a game it was. Well, not even told; they would have known how big a game it was. So, at times, I think a bit more composure. But that is what they will they will learn as they gain more experiences of these top games. And people do forget that we are still an in inexperienced side. You know, people talking in the chat about Eddie saying, "Oh, he's you know he's twenty three. He's not that young. He hasn't played that much top level football in the Premier League. He hasn't played." Champions League football. He's, you know, barely played in that many games in Europe. So he might be 23. I mean, for me, 23 is still young, anyway. But he hasn't
0: played that much football. Oh, brilliant! Mm. Well, yeah, said. well said. Well yeah, said. Um, uh, go on. Sorry for I'm biting in again. I'm terrible recently, and I, I'm, I'm blaming my age and my dementia. But it's important what Dan said there. You know, in that um, we, we we may not have, the, the side might be developing age wise. But Dan's exactly right. Up until this season, the only two players that we've ever had that have experienced about going to try and win a title are Zinchenko and Jesus, right? None of the other players in this side have experienced a title challenge and the pressure of being top of the league. And not just top of the league for a week, we've been top of the league for weeks and weeks, you know? So there is a pressure. I mean, poor old Ramsdale, all he's ever experienced is bloody relegation. He's never known what it's like to be top of the league and have the focus on you week in, week out. And just to finish off, not forgetting, it's not only focus, it's focus on the Arsenal. And the press love to find wrong in the Arsenal, whatever we do. So there's pressure on them, you know. And, and mm. Dan, that's a great point, Dan, a really great point.
1: Um, Edison, uh, the Man City keeper, had tried what other keepers were doing and using some um, time-wasting tactics about keeping the ball for really long. I don't think he was keeping as long as the likes of um, Pickford and, and many others who have come. Um, but he got a yellow card. And not long after that, there was this uh, this foul on Eddie. Since we're still talking about Eddie. Uh, but a foul on Eddie, um, who was very close to actually scoring a goal. I think it was cleared off the line. Uh, but the foul was given. So, uh, Dan, I'll talk to you first on it. Um, talk about the foul, Eddie's attempt, uh, and whether you feel it was a foul, whether you feel it was a penalty, and whether you feel it should have been a second yellow card and therefore a red.
2: Because he does come out.
0: Well, I think he's all in his rights to get the penalty. Well within his rights. Doesn't touch the ball. Ketia notes with his left foot.
2: Through, takes him out. Yeah, I think I think firstly, he does well to get on target. You know, that is sort of the bread and butter for, for Eddie in those sort of positions, and I think he, he does well. Um, for me, it's a stonewall penalty, but I do think credit to the referee on that because there are some people that, that don't give the same fouls in the box that they would outside the box. And anywhere else on the pitch, if a player is that late and doesn't get the ball, it's a foul. So I don't see why it changes in the box and it's a stonewall pen. Having said that, I don't think it's a second yellow. Um, I don't feel it's reckless enough or endangering an opponent or anything like that where you would look to book a player. Um, I think if that was in the middle of the pitch, again, it's coming, to, it's coming together. Had he sort of actually kicked him, I think it would have been a second yellow. Um, so I think people sort of calling for a red are probably clutching there for me. Uh, Trev, your thoughts on it?
0: Um, I wasn't sure if it was a penalty or not when it was given. We're looking at it in real time in the ground, but looking at it now, it's 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 one that we've gotten not, uh, with our luck of penalties, probably fortunate to get because the referees don't give us a lot. I know I keep on about that, but I don't care. Um, but we did get it. As for Eddie, what he did with the ball, he got it on target. Yeah, it was never going to go in because it was there was always going to be a defender clearing it. It wasn't the second yellow card. But having said that, their goalkeeper, he should have got his yellow card for time-wasting after about 10 minutes. He'd been doing it all the first half. And since the start of the game, he'd been time-wasting and the fans were on his back and on his back and on his back. And he should have got that yellow card long before he actually got it time-wasting.
1: He did get his first yellow early on in the game, and it, which normally the wait, especially for time-wasting, they normally wait till 85 minutes or whatever. So it was good to see that. But I turned around, I think, to you, Dan, and I said, well, he ain't going to get a second for it um uh, uh, reading some articles and some and looking at some stuff uh, today doing some work for the, for for the show um the comments that i've read from people who are, are, are a bit more knowledgeable than some of us uh, and definitely more knowledgeable than lots of people on twitter about that um that penalty that yes it was given the referee on-field referee gave it um it was fortunate for Arsenal, and should have had. Should it have not been given, VAR wouldn't have examined it. Should VAR have been asked to examine it, uh, they wouldn't have awarded the penalty. But that aside, it was given, um, and uh, it took about three, four minutes. The referee moved the ball to check it was on the spot. There was all sorts of people coming up, talking to Saka, and really putting him off. And how cool and calm is this fella? Look at this. No sound again, but here we go. Yeah. I
0: don't put sound on, Ferg. You'll get us banned.
1: <laughs> do you want to do a voiceover, Ferg? Uh, no, it's all right. I there mean, we go. Look at it, look at Edison. Edison is pointing. I know where you're going to put it. I know where you're going to put it. And he d- dives the other way. And Saka goes, yeah, I know. You knew, but I still went that way. He was so cool. I was just so impressed how low and strong that was. Trev? Yeah. It...
0: Listen, when you've got possibly the best player in the country taking a penalty, he ain't going to get put off by the goalkeeper. You ain't got to get... We're still... Some of our fans are still underrating Bukayo Saka. He's a, up amongst the best two or three players in the country, Bukayo Saka. And when he took that penalty, I knew he'd go in. I, I wish he'd have taken that second penalty in the, uh, in the World Cup and then we probably got through. Um is, is that good. I, I had no doubts about him scoring. It. He's as cool as you like, isn't he? Look at him in his interviews, how he's matured into such a, a sensible young fella, you know? Yeah, we work a little to miss that.
1: Um, and uh, what did you make of the penalty, Dan? I, I, again, we're standing beside each other. We, we
2: were we were delighted. It went nuts at the North Bank of Block 5. Well, I didn't watch it in the ground because I couldn't. So I only saw it when I got home. Yeah. Um... I, I hate watching pens, especially like that. I, I, I didn't watch the one he scored against Liverpool in the ground. I just hate watching pens. But something that did really, really annoy me when I got home and I watched. Um, I think it was Enia Luko. She said she wasn't confident in Saka taking the pen because he's got a history of penalties. And everyone's going to keep going back to him at the um, what was it, the Euros with England. He's, I think he's missed one penalty in his career. I think that's the only one. So to say he's got a history with penalties, I, I just don't see where they're coming at. His penalties and it are just, fantastic. It, and just, it,
1: it just demonstrates some of the quality of pundits that they have to wheel out these days um, for various reasons. And for, for a pundit to say that clearly shows their lack of knowledge about, one, the player they're talking about, and to the game itself we've seen it from all sorts of pundits but you've just
2: highlighted one in there in particular yeah so at I mean, halftime right. his ratio is up there higher than an awful lot of sort of established penalty takers in the prem i know he's mm. probably not taken that many i could probably think of maybe five and six five or six but i, I don't,
1: re- I, don't a lot. I don't recall him missing many for the arsenal but in that way and uh, I, the only one i do recall him missing is that england one where he was t- brought on uh four penalties and he played about 2 or 3 minutes and then it was in the penalty shootout so yeah huge game huge pressure and everything else half time came along and i decided uh to grab trev and ask him what he thought it was a long rambling video i only took out a little clip yeah, uh, the 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 audio's a little bit the audio's a little bit um quiet but that's because which oh, i do on. on
0: purpose i sound slurred cuz he slowed the bloody sound down that fergus
1: Yes, Donna, that that's why I done it. If you're watching Donna... one one what did you make of um first half? Did you think we should we deserve to go one 0
0: down in that game? Yes we copped up, but did you think we deserved to go one 0 down? In fairness, I thought we could have gone either way, food. There was absolutely nothing in it. Nothing in it, could have gone either way. We were unlucky to give the goal away. You know, and but we did and what did we do? We came right back again. So proud of our boys. Uh, first game at the Emirates this season. Yeah, it is. What is it like? Has oh, it changed? I've it so much. All of the lads are so lovely. I'm going to I'm not going to wash my head, man. Yeah. <laughs> I've
1: been away. And
0: But well, the atmosphere, how's the atmosphere? Is, is better. It's better. It matches anything I've seen here. Everyone's up for it. And, you know, we are the Arsenal at the end of the day.
1: Trev, apparently uh, these were the two pints you had, but you took so
0: long to drink them, your hair has been shaved off and everything else. <laughs> My hair grew, grew quick. It must have been something in the beer then. No, I, have... I honestly thought uh, at half-time that scoring that late goal in the first half would give us just the lift we needed to go into the second half and would fill our lads with confidence. And uh, John Malone's put on here that I told him we we were going to win at half-time, and he's exactly right. I did. I did tell him we were going to win at half-time. I couldn't see us losing. Um, I just... And I'm I'm gutted. I'm not angry. Don't be angry, people. But I'm gutted that our young lads just couldn't pull it off second half. As we move through the second half, well, I dare say we'll talk about what I think. I, I don't know about you, boys. We discussed it briefly. There was, there was a distinct period in the second half where Manchester City... Change things around, and we couldn't match that. We couldn't change to match that, and the game changed in a click of a finger, you know. Which is such a shame because our boys are so good. Our boys are so good. Don't ever forget that.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I agree. That like the first fifteen minutes or so, um, you know, there the, the was a shift in in sort of tactics. There's a lot more. I keep on using this word and going on um on on uh, by by both sides. Um like, you know, uh, there was I think it was Carl Walker kicked the ball for um for a throw in straight across the other side of the pitch. There was just just lots of of time wasting and 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 tactics that, you know, aren't becoming. But our manager wasn't um wasn't uh, exempt from that there's here's a clip of uh, him uh, playing at the game with uh, Eric de, um, with Kevin de bruyne um, and Kevin de bruyne wasn't very happy but you can see here what he does he clips the ball kicks it away from him uh, and de bruyne fair play comes along and says leave it out you know um because we do moan when it gets done to us but as we said with Newcastle it's a tactic that all teams use uh Trev, what do you make of what Arteta did there?
0: I I bloody love our manager. I absolute the crap-assery and the passion. And he'll do absolutely anything to gain that Arsenal side an inch of possession, Arteta. He will do absolutely anything to make sure that Arsenal have got a slightly better chance of winning the game. And who can't say they're happy with that? That is what we want as a manager. We want a manager with that passion and is going to kick a ball away, you know? I love it. I love Arteta and I love what he gets up to. And what I love most about it is it upsets other clubs. So he's just living up to the reputation of the Arsenal. Don't ever change Mikel Arteta. Just keep it up.
2: I'll tell you what that does more than anything else though, Trev. It lifts the crowd. And if you see the crowd's reaction to that and how loud everyone was singing Super Mike Arteta to that, that's that for me. Is the biggest reason of why you should keep doing it and forget everyone else. That that just gets the crowd lifted again and and can only lift the players. Absolutely. How will Richard Keys feel about it? Who?
0: <laughs> Does anyone care? Does anyone no, nobody cares. Care? Nobody, nobody cares, cares. He's just a an ex football presenter who who done naughty things that he shouldn't have done and got kicked off the British screens. And to be honest, good. Don't want him back. 57
1: minutes in, uh, this happened. Uh, Gabby, I think, fouled uh, Haaland. Uh, and for me, when I looked at it live and saw the replay uh, on the screens, I thought, yeah, it's a... Well, on somebody's phone, I thought it's a penalty. But what we couldn't see was that uh, they'd gone for VAR. Um, and they put a VAR up here, which is very... You probably can't even see it on the screen. Uh, Haaland's here on the uh, right-hand side and he's just very marginally offside. Offside nonetheless... Um, and the, uh, the penalty was ruled out because of offside. Dan, was that an apology for Brentford?
2: No. He was off, clearly. They just actually got one right, and as the crowd started singing, don't forget to draw the lines, and they didn't this time. Yeah, that was actually quite funny. That was actually quite funny.
0: Oh, I'm fuming with you. I'm fuming Go with on. you, cheating. You can't make a comparison between that decision we've just looked at and what happened at Brentford. There's a massive difference, Fergus. And the massive difference is they got that one on Wednesday night right. They got that one against Brentford wrong under the most tragic circumstances ever. So there there cannot be a comparison. VAR was used correctly on Wednesday. VAR was used incorrectly, if at all, last week against Brentford. I, you can't compare it. I'm still so angry with VAR, Fergus. Still, since you got me started on it, and it'd be interested to get you boys' view, right? If we get to the end of this season and we miss out on Champions League qualification by a point, what's the backlash going to be? What happens? There's an no argument be- to
1: say... There's an argument to say that... Um, was it... Who was it? Um, I think Marta Early scored against Liverpool and there was a touch on Saka's hand... And that wasn't picked up by VAR. There's also a soft penalty against Liverpool. There's, there, there are ones that we've got that we may may well shouldn't have. Even that one, yes, he is offside, but it's so so fine margins. Um, you know, do do you, do you not do do you not argue? Forget about the VAR. Is that a penalty? Is that foul on Haaland?
0: If there was no VAR, that is definitely a penalty, isn't it? We don't know because the ref never give it, do we? You never know how refs are going to see things when human nature is allowed to intervene. When human nature is allowed to intervene, you never know what they're going to give. It looks like a penalty, but you don't know for sure. But you've got to remet Fergus. What was the difference, right? You were talking about they were both off sides. What was the difference between Wednesday and, and, and Brentford? The difference was the one on Wednesday used the facilities available for, to him and drew the bloody lines on the pitch. Yeah, If we could draw the lines on the pitch, which is a basic error, we can't linger on this because I'll end up smashing this computer. <laughs> if we draw the lines on the pitch at Brentford, like it should have done, the, the most basic use of VAR, then it, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I wouldn't be ranting. I wouldn't be they, ranting. Are,
2: they are totally different, though, I think. You know, you're know you talking about the ones at Liverpool and, and their subjective decisions. And you know, as Howard Webb said on the video we played last week, the idea of VAR is to make sure you go in half after the game and don't say, what the hell have I done? I've made a mistake. You know, those ones against Liverpool were not just mistakes. They were just people can see it differently. And that is why they talk about VAR maybe not intervening if it wasn't given or if it was given, not changing the result because that's subjective to the to the ref. But last week was just a clear error where they didn't do their job and didn't give something that was clearly offside. And I think this this week on Wednesday... There's no doubt it's a foul. The ref gives it as a foul. And if he's not offside, that doesn't get overturned. For me, it's a clear foul. But we actually got very, very lucky looking back at that VIR decision. It was the right decision, but we got lucky that they got to that result. Because when they really zoomed in to get the line, the reason it took them so long to give that offside was they tried to draw the line at Gabriel's foot and they only saw a very sort of minute part of his foot in the image. And had they not seen that part of his foot, they couldn't accurately draw the line. To then say he's definitely offside, overturn it. In which case, they would have just gone with the on-field decision.
1: Mm. It, is that is that why that image on the screen in in the stadium went graphic failure or something like that? Do you think that's what that was about? I didn't see that to be honest. Um, what did he
0: say? Yeah, it said graphic something. Didn't I? I can't remember what it was. Yeah,
1: it said, it, it said uh, VAR checking offside, and we went, oh right okay, and then it went graphic failure, VAR checking penalty, then it went back to offside. Then it went, no penalty due to offside. It was really confusing. It just felt like, it, I don't know. But well, listen, they, were,
0: they were obviously being very careful, weren't they, mate? Being very, very careful. Absolutely. And as Dan just said, they used the lines. And in the end, using the lines, in the end, the outcome of using the lines was the correct decision. Say that as a football fan. You can't argue against it. The lines were used on Wednesday night and the correct decision was reached, right? VAR as it should be, VAR as we'd all like it to be, consistently. Against despite
1: lines, right.
0: despite
1: the ongoing appeals from numerous Man City players, uh, uh, crowding around uh, the referee to ask um, for him to to, to re- reevaluate his decision. Um, Arsenal weren't um, uh, not guilty of, of going around the referee, but look, there's there's. Five players in that one, where I think the whole squad uh, uh, is around um, the referee in in the the city ones. But the FA have now um, uh, taken and charged both Man City and Arsenal. Man City with two counts and Arsenal uh, for one count of surrounding referee, and they've got until when is it the twenty first of February to, to answer those charges. Uh, Trev, you wanted to talk about surrounding the referee, in particular that one.
0: Was that before the charges were made? Yeah, no, it was before the charges were made. Arnie posted Arnie, a friend of the show, posted that on on social media today. That one with the head circled, and uh, there was no, there'd been no charges levied by then. So it was wait and see, and then, of course, charges were levied against both both sets, both clubs. And if that's if that is a, an offence for more than two players or whatever to surround the referee, then both clubs should have been charged with the offence because it happened on Wednesday night. But it also happens almost every game, every week. And where's the other team's charges? What do they do? I don't know. So I don't know why we, us and Man City are different now because you don't see any other teams being charged with it.
1: Or, or is it just an Arsenal an thing? And because they were playing Man City and the one to shows us that they were being fair, they charged Man City as well. I don't know. Look, 67 minutes in, uh, Dan, there was a tactical change. Um, Ruben Diaz uh, pressed more, there was a, a change around by the moved, um, who was it, uh, was playing left back and he was moved to wing back, uh, Silva, uh, Bernardo Silva was played left back, he was moved up the pitch and that type of prevented us from playing, you you put this down as, as one of the, the the things that it, it forced, stopped Odegaard from playing in the midfield, it forced us uh, to change our tactics
2: yeah, I think what we did well in the first half was we were finding spaces and we're finding half spaces between the lines because of the way that Zinchenko likes to come inside and create a box effect and link up with the wide men and create triangles. But City, although I think the way they set up to try to be man for man, they couldn't actually match us. And I think the defence wasn't pressing as much for Man City. And I think one of the big differences that Pep even said was there was a lot more aggressive in their press. And just giving Ruben Diaz license to come out and close them down quicker meant the others could jump and push on to our back line. And I think we saw a big, big difference in how we were trying to play out from the back. And that forced sort of mistakes from our own team. Um, I don't think it was like it was a great finish from them from the third goal. But most of what they did um, well, City, came from our mistakes. And I think that tactical change was quite a big, a big part of that in the second half. Mm
1: hmm. Now, let's look at that goal then. So, 72 minutes in, uh, Haaland yeah. is scampering into a bit of space down the right uh, he's sent uh, by Silva, took advantage of Gabriel's uh, poor pass. Haaland then uh, thinks about shooting, but he passes infil- infield to Gwenduan,
0: um and then dummies for Grealish. Uh, a good move, Trev? Yeah, you know, well, of course it was a good move. But as we said just now, we... we I, I, a top top Arsenal fan, uh, John Williamson. I'm happy to say, friend of mine, mentioned it on social media today. Um, we showed our, our naivety and 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 maybe our, a little lack in our in our experience in that um, when that sub came on, like Dan just said, they pressed us. They did. I think the words John used were that they moved the game ten meters up the field. You know, they started playing the game ten yards further up the field, which meant they were a lot closer to our. Fallbacks as soon as the game started or commenced from the back, which, which set us in a bit of a panic, and we didn't know how to play around that or over that or through that. We just didn't have the skills to do that. Once again, I think Jesus might have made a difference because Jesus moves people around a lot more than Eddie does. You know, it, Jesus would have created space and and maybe with with the movement he was making, made them drop off a bit. You know, again, but they didn't. They were able to start the field, and it was a good move, for You can't deny a good goal when you see a good goal. They. Man City were very good on the night, very good on the night. But Amy said that we weren't far behind them.
1: No, um, it, Dan. Looking at it again at the move, um, you'll see at the very end, uh, Tommy Asu's um, Ramsdale is a little unfortunate as well because it takes a slight deflection of Tommy Asu's thigh. Um, I don't think you'll see the
2: close up on that, but um, you will have seen it when you you watch back the game. I think Ramsdale saves it if he doesn't get a deflection. Um, I think that's hard to criticise Tommy because he's doing all he can to get in the way of the ball. Correct. Um, the, the issue for me is you give, the way, give away the ball in our final third and City are such a clinical side. And I know they're very good in short, short passes and controlling the game, but when they get an opportunity to go, they go. And just like that, when they see space, they play the ball to it and more yeah. spaces open up because we're trying okay. to cover spaces and they create gaps. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Ferg, we can, Ferg, mate, we can compare that right back to the one we spoke about earlier when when Eddie didn't see Martinelli in the middle for a tapping. You know that goal there. Haaland knew that the better chance was to his left. The player in space was to his left, and he made sure that the player that was in the best position to score a goal got the ball. And we didn't yeah. do that when we had our chance. We failed to do that, you know, and that's probably the bit of a difference between the two sides, mate.
1: I, yeah, I didn't put that clip up because I didn't want to have a, a, a digging on further on Eddie. But Martinelli clearly looked a little bit frustrated. And I know somebody put something up on Twitter and it was a bit more harsh. But, you know, that is, I think, maybe shows the connection relationship that Jesus and Martinelli have, which is slightly probably better, well, I feel, from looking at, at some things than the, the Nketiah and um, uh, Martinelli... Um, uh, cohesion. Dan, do you think the Nketiah and Trossard because Trossard comes down from Martinelli in 76 minutes do you think that's better than the Martinelli-Nketiah one?
2: Well, I think firstly the the chance that Eddie had to pass the ball to Martinelli I think is a bit harsh to criticise Eddie because I feel like it was a lot different to, to Haaland for the third goal. Haaland had a bit more space to play the ball. Eddie was being closed down and, and the space where he would play the pass was being closed down a lot quicker. So something that was really interesting, I watched um, yesterday from the King Thierry, he mentioned that he had to adapt his game to play with certain players in the team. And he would always make the same run time in, time out, because that was what he was good at. And what he said was he learnt to make runs depending on who was on the ball. And he knew that when Burkamp got on the ball, wherever he ran, Burkamp would find him. He knew that whenever Robbie Perez had the ball, he had to go short because he wanted to play a one-two. Whenever Lundberg had the ball, he had to make a certain run in his eye line or, or he wouldn't find him. And I feel like Eddie still needs to find that where he needs to be able to not just do what he's good at, which is being in the box and being a poacher. He needs to see what the team around him are good at and where they want to play the ball and make the run for the team as opposed to just for himself. Uh, Yeah, Trev?
0: He he, he undoubtedly is a brilliant goal poacher. Undoubtedly. He's proven that with his goal scoring. He's scored so many in and around the six-yard area, you know, tapping in, knocking it in. Absolutely is a great goal poacher. But does that... Fit into our system. We need to move on now. It sounds like we're on the poor lads back all the time. When actually, no, no, no. We, we're talking about the game, you know.
1: Yeah, no, we're, we're just—it's just generally comparing one sort of move to another. And some people have talked about it, and and we're talking about it. We, look, as as you said at the very beginning, we don't try and be negging out on 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 players. We try and look at it a bit objectively and and try, you know, to be look for some positives out of, out of some negatives. And I think there is a lot of positives to take out of the game. Before yeah. we go into that, though, Harland... Yeah, sir, a I was just,
2: just going to say, Ferg, that I don't take that as a negative because I take that as Eddie has room to grow. It's just there are things that you need to develop coming into a side. And Jorginho is another prime example. I, I think Jorginho had a very, very good game. But it's also clear still that he hasn't got the cohesion with the team members around him yet because he's new to the mm. team, and that only develops over time by playing game after game after game with the same team. So he, he will learn to do that, I think.
1: Like Jorginho for me, I thought the first half he had a really good first half. Second half, because of the change in formation, uh, he wasn't in the game as much, but he was. He didn't have a bad game, uh, and he's definitely an upgrade on the outgoing Lukonga as he was at the time. But rather than get into all of that, we look at Haaland's goal. So here comes Haaland's goal. Um, I'll turn the sound off again. Um, So it's 82 minutes. De Bruyne bursts into the box down the right, chasing uh, Gundogan's pass. De Bruyne cuts back for Haaland, who takes a touch and threads uh, a wonderful shot across Ramsdale into the bottom left. Again, you know we've come to see Haaland to do this. He hasn't... Uh, been uh, scoring prolific uh, as much uh, recently um, because I I think where City went through their little bit of a blip spell they didn't know how to deal with him they were type of playing the ball still wide where he wants balls put in like that. Trev, what did you make of Harlan's uh, last goal? Yeah,
0: he got the chance and he put it away, didn't he? You know. Um, yeah. To be honest, by that time we had dropped a bit because I didn't think we were going to score another goal for love nor money. You know, they, that as we said just now, that last part of the game, Man City took over and uh, and look, really look, look, looks a champ, a champion side. You've got to say it. I hate to say it, you've got to say it. You know, you can see there, there's there's no weak spots in their play. I mean, Grealish was on fire when he was on the field. Away, uh, you know. And, and Harland is there and Harland's going to take those chances as he's shown all season. The, the only time I've seen Harland get rattled, was it against Brighton when they, when they just kicked him about the park for the first 15 or 20 minutes and he spat his dummy out and disappeared. But that's the only bad game I've seen him really have. So
1: he, he didn't uh, have a great game against Spurs because uh, they it, it just, uh, Man City didn't play to his strengths either. So, you know, um, so, the final bit, at 84 minutes, Tommy and Shaka replaced by Vieira and White. Bear in mind, we had got Martinelli taken off for Trossard in 76 minutes. The question I'll ask you, Dan, is were those substitutions made too late in that game? Should we have made substitutions maybe at 67 minutes when we saw that the tactics were changed by Pep on the pitch by moving players around?
2: Yeah, I, I think we said in the, in the stadium, I think the one I would have made earlier was the, the Trossard sub. Um, I felt like it was the, the time to do it. It's difficult with the, the midfield because when you've got a midfield three that was so settled and you've got Partey out of that midfield three, I think he's reluctant to make another change in that midfield three that have that have been so good for us all season. So, you know, Xhaka being the prime um, example, I think at the time he took him off, he'd probably gone through a bad sort of 10-minute spell. And I think that prompted the, the sub for him, but I can still see why you would keep him on the field because he's been so good and he is such a big leader for our team. So that is hard to to take Jacker off, and then your captain Odegaard, You know, at that moment, you want him on the pitch. So I can see why he didn't make those subs till later. Uh, so, I don't know. If I agree with Terry on there about playing Martinelli
1: through the middle. If I've got to play anybody through the middle uh, of Martinelli or Trossard, I'd probably go with Trossard because Martinelli is. He always sticks to the wing.
0: Right. The interest Dan's generated a question for me there, Ferg. Um, I, I agree with bringing Trossard earlier on, Dan, but would you have brought him on for Martinelli or a different player?
2: Yeah, Martinelli. I think I, I said um when I was chatting to Fergus in the in the ground, we said, will he bring him on to Xhaka or who will he bring him on for? And for me, the only option was was for Martinelli, just because he worked so hard, Gabby, at times, that if you want to keep up that level of intensity, he can't be doing that for 90 minutes. So I can see why he doesn't play 90 minutes all the time. And also I felt like um, Walker had actually mastered him quite well in that game. Walker is a a tough opponent. Um, So I can see why he wanted to change it. And also Trossard, as we said a couple of times, when he plays wide, he drifts inside and he comes into spaces inside and he would have been an extra number in the midfield to try and near enough count the, the city tactical change, so that that could have been the thought process behind why Arteta brought him on. So,
1: so guys, in summary, look, the two game uh, goals were against the run of play. Um, we dominated possession, but we lacked composure at the right times. Um, we were able to improve the game, uh, uh, like impose on on a top side. We just need to be better in both boxes, both defending and also um, uh, shooting, which we've talked about a lot. But this graphic here just shows the the dominance that Arsenal had in the game. So you can see it was a, a very early in the start. City came out at us. Uh, we then rose into the game. City scored the goal. We get the second goal. Then you got half-time. In the second half, as we said, City came out there a bit stronger. We started to get control of the game. City went again. But then towards the end of the game, before they got the third, and that's probably why they got the third goal, Um you know, we were pushed up to try and get an equaliser, and we were just saying, like, a 2 2. In fairness for me, I thought a 2 2 would have been a very, very good result. The other stats to look on the game is we had 63% possession. It was Man City's lowest game in possession, I think, uh, this season. They had five shots on target. We had zero shots on target. Again, it's there's the, the biggest issue in, the, in that area of the box. We did create nine attempts against their four. So, with the equal number of attempts, effectively on goal, but they had five of theirs um, on target. Uh, final thoughts on 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 the game,
0: Trev? Yeah, I, I, you're right, Fergus. I don't think a draw would have flattered us. I thought we were as good a team for long parts of the game. Um, I've said enough now where I thought my problem was that the stat there showing shots on target sort of backs it up a little bit if you look at it in a certain way. I agree with Terry to 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 uh, to bring Tr- Trussard in, but I would honestly, looking at this weekend coming, I would honestly give Eddie a rest, bring Trussard in through the middle, and play Martinelli on the left of him. And what what Trussard will do, it would do, it'd give us a lot more movement up front, just outside the box. He, he he'd be out and about and around the box, and he's quick. So and and three games now without the result we wanted, we've got to be looking, we've got to be looking at doing something. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we're the Arsenal. We've got a great manager. We still go top of the league if we win our game in hand. We still be top of the league if VAR was used properly. So it ain't all bad news, boys. I'd have still took this at the start of the season. Absolutely still took this at the start of the season. You know? And that breaking news, Lee Mason quits. Well, good. I hope he don't get a payoff. I'd be, that's the only, that was the only manly thing to do was to resign. Resign. That He's done the right thing. Credit where it's due there. He's done the right thing.
1: Lots of people stayed back in the North Bank and clapped the team off to the very end. Odegaard and Jorginho were the last two to walk around. And they, they didn't do that thing where they just walk outside the centre circle. Uh, Odegaard came right up to us uh, at the end. Some some uh, areas of the ground were empty, but the majority of the North Bank, upper and lower, I commented to you, Dan, that it was, it was quite full. Yet... It's a late kickoff. Yes, people have to get places. And anybody who criticise anybody having to leave for any reason, sort yourself out first uh, before anything else. But it was really good to, um, to see uh, our captain come up and actually genuinely spend some time walking around, didn't you think, Dan?
2: And also, tap the badge as he went round was a nice gesture. Yes. Um, it shows that they appreciate what the fans try to do in the game and also for the fans to stay shows it appreciates the effort from the players i think that's one thing we absolutely can't fault the team now is is the effort you know a few years ago we'd be watching games thinking are they really putting their all in for this club or are they just there to pick up a paycheck and no doubt they do it because it's their job first and foremost as anyone does to earn money but they also they look like they want to play for for the arsenal and not just play football for anyone no. Yeah. Dan, myself and yourself. So here
1: we are. Um, Arsenal just been beaten 3-1 by Man City. Um, with Dan, we're not very happy. We're not very really good losers, are we, Dan?
2: I don't know what
1: to say. <laughs> That's a three-minute video. You can catch it on on um, on the Facebook page if you want. But Flat as a Pancake is what we call the podcast tonight. And it was on the back of how we both felt walking to the the train station afterwards. It was flat. And you said that you've changed a feeling about some of your comments since we spoke on that.
2: Yeah. Well, as you can see by that video, I'm full of charisma and that's my best uh, sort of attribute if I'm totally honest. But um, yeah, as, as everyone was very disappointed and generally, I think as, as we all are, we're quite positive on here and, since the Leeds game in October, I've thought we're going to win the league. And I come out of that game and I just thought, I just don't know how we're going to win it now because I feel like momentum's changed. But watching the game back, I think we were take the mistakes out of it, the best, the best team, just. Um, we have to just stop those mistakes and we have to take our chances. But football changes so, so much. And there isn't a single team that's won the league without having a little blip. And up until the last three games, we hadn't had a blip. So this is our first blip. City will have another blip. We may have another blip. And there's, what, 17 games or so, 16, 17 games left still. Lots of football to play. Lots could happen. It could be as simple as one injury for Man City changes it. It could be that they run away with it. No one knows. But all we need to do is go a game at a time, put points on the board and see where it gets us by the end of the season. And I still feel like something can happen. You know, I don't think the players are going to be giving up. Our manager won't be letting them give up. Let's um, just, as fans, make sure that we don't give up as well. Conscious of time, uh, Grealish
1: post uh, post-match interview said uh, City didn't play well. Uh, Arsenal were the better team. Pep was uh, very complimentary of us. Uh, quite a lot of the the Man City side uh, made comments along the lines of Arsenal are an excellent team. Some of them. Uh, commented that they reminded them of City of five years ago and that this Arsenal, that many pundits have said this Arsenal, if they don't win the league this year, um, they're definitely this Arsenal side are winning the league. That You can see something growing. Um, We'll, we'll talk briefly whether we see the, if, if we can still win the league. But first, before we do that, Arsenal versus Aston Villa, 12.30 on Saturday. Uh, I'm picking you up in the morning, nice and early. Uh, we're getting down to Birmingham. Um, sorry, all the Brummies up just on your accent, uh, badly. Um, but, you know, people say how many, how many early, um, how many early starts have we won? But there's a stat that came out by Opta. We played 12 games. We won six, drawn two. So that's reasonably good. Four losses, uh, which was one of which was the Everton one. We've scored uh, 17 goals and conceded 13 goals. The one that I recall the most and probably the last one, maybe, is a 12:30 kickoff was against Chelsea. Trev, uh, it was a one-nil. Could have been six-nil. We we were outstanding.
0: Absolutely outstanding, Fergus. Absolutely outstanding. do 12 30 kickoffs, don't worry about them. Don't worry about them. I know you're gonna go in a minute, so I'm gonna get me little rant in now, Fergus. Well, me little me little thing. Firstly, we mentioned the trains home, Fergus, right? And and I'll go down on here and now and say that I left the game before the end on Wednesday, not because I wanted to, but it was a night game. I had to get the ten o'clock train out of King's Cross. If I meet I, and off that ten o'clock train, I got home at one o'clock in the morning, and I had to be up for work at seven. If I miss that 10 o'clock train, I don't get home till two o'clock in the morning, you know. So as much as I love to stay and I stay with every, work, every game I can stay, I stay till the end and after the end. And I'm in the pub after. But don't knock people that have to leave early. I have No option on Wednesday, but to leave early, you know. And the other thing, Ferg, that we've not mentioned that we've got to get in for just a, about 30 seconds, mate, is, um, is the Europa League. The Europa League draws next Friday. We find out who we play. I can't remember who it was. Oh uh, well, you've just said you were going to close the show. Make your mind up, will you? I'm not, I'm not quite.
1: Oh, I haven't, we haven't done the Villa game yet. You're ranting Let's on about Europe. <laughs> 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 Listen, <laughs> very, very quickly then, Trev. While you're in the in in the seat, do you change anything with the lineups against Villa? Um, And uh, who do you see the key threats from Villa? And then give me uh, your score. No, don't give me your score prediction just yet. Just uh, change the lineups and key threats.
0: I'd like, I, I don't care. I'd like to see Trossard play on the side. I don't have to name who I think I'd like him to come in for, but I think Trossard is worth a start. I think after three poor results, we need a bit of a lift and bringing Trossard in for his first full game will probably bring that lift. Um, Who's a threat from Aston Villa? I don't know. Who plays for Aston Villa? I don't know. I don't I don't watch that rubbish. Uh, Heinz Martinez, Martin, apparently. I just hope that uh Ma- Martinez or Martinez um cries in his gloves again like he did last season. That'll do for me.
1: Dan form guide. Uh we've played thirty uh we've we've played fifty-five games against them, one thirty, uh away wins thirteen, home wins seventeen. So, you know, on paper. Football isn't played on paper. Uh, we should be, be- beating Aston Villa. You were you were there last? No, you weren't. It was Bournemouth. I, I remember seeing you. Um, last season was two one. That was the supermarket. Mick Larteta song came out. We beat them one 0 at our place beforehand. And the form guide um, uh, where we are at the moment, um, similar sort of form. Unai Emery's had made a difference to um, the the Villa side. I believe there uh, nobody but Arsenal have gained a- as many points as Unai Emery's Aston Villa. Do you think
2: Unai could cause us a problem? He's going to want to, isn't he? He's going to want to prove the people wrong that that let him go and prove that he can be a top Premier League manager. Um, But we've got bigger fish to fry than to worry about things like Unai and Aston Villa. We're worrying about winning the league, so... We've got an opportunity for an early kickoff to say to the team, let's put the pressure back on City. Let's go back top and say to them, come on in now, respond. We're up for it and we're not giving up. So last season at Villa was a big part of us kicking on to get some good results. Um, It's an opportunity to do it again. But again, we are playing against a a good side. Um, Ollie Watkins will, will be physical, will be tough to play against. Eric Bayer will be running in behind. So they've got a good combination there that they've started to develop under Unai. And they do have a good side, although I think they might be missing Tyrone Mings, I think. So Chambers may even come in the play. I think he played the last game. Um, their fullbacks are good. You know, Matty Cash, when he plays, is a good fullback. Um, Luca Dean also left back. And who's the guy they've just signed from the Spanish League? So they've, they've got some good threats in their team. I think start early. Front foot, early goal is key. And then, uh, yeah, bring the bring the points back. Yeah, yeah calm, calm the nerves down. Give me a score prediction then. 2-1.
0: Trev? I think we're coming flying back 3-0 to the Arsenal. I, I think we're coming flying back into form. Whoosh! Look at this Villa. Unai is a fantastic manager, but sorry Unai, you're gone on tomorrow. We are gonna f- we are the boys are gonna be right up for it at the end, uh, our lads. We're gonna win. We are absolutely gonna win. Three 0
2: I'm
1: gonna I'm gonna to go to two um, 0 to Arsenal. Um you mentioned your uh, the, the draw uh the Europa League uh, draw will be aft it will be this week this time next week, uh twelve o'clock uh, lunchtime. This could happen again.
0: From the caddy to this week the church, the mosque, the crack den, and the offy on the corner, see the brass, in see the brothel, pretends to be a sauna, watch the medlam in the bookies, see the winners and the losers, seeking solace from their sorrow in the low
1: European tour um, Dan you, you'll be you've already booked the time off uh, diary wise it might be a little bit difficult for me but yeah I'm looking forward to going all the way to Budapest
2: absolutely um, one game at a time though
0: if, absolutely if, if we're honest if I'm honest with myself you boys not, might not agree but at this very moment in time I think that probably the Europa League is our best chance of a title of, of a trophy this year if I'm blatantly honest, I don't want it to be. I want us to come out flying tomorrow, flying against Leicester. That puts us back above City um, and who knows? Who knows? It's football. It's a funny old game, they used to say.
1: It is. It is a funny old game. Um, it, 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 very quick question, then, because Lauren said it at the very beginning. Could the Europa League, then, Trev, scupper our chances of a
0: Premier League title? Um I'd, I'd like to think not, Fergus. You can make a case that it could do, but I'd like to think not. I think, I think we're good enough. We've got the decent squad now. We've got, we've got some players to come in, which I don't mind doing in the Europa League under the right circumstances. Um, no, I'm hoping we're not going to lose focus. Although, having said that, you can very much make a case for it because of the World Cup break. We've got so many league games to fit in, haven't we, you know? So you can make a case that it could scupper our uh, title chances but it could also be the same for all the other teams so we're all in the same boat um and i'd love to see us win the league but i honestly think that the europa league is the one that we've got best chance of winning best chance of winning let me put it that way i want to see us win both i'd love to see us win the league and i want a couple i said it before fergus right and, and I speak at my age. We speak different. We're all good mates, us three, and, and other people as well. But me being that bit older, right, I honestly thought that I wouldn't see our side challenge for the league again three or four years ago, four or five years ago. I thought we were that poor. I thought we were gone for a long, long time. So I'm in a great place now at my age, <laughs> enjoying what's happening. I want to see us win the league, and I want to see us win the Europa League. But if you really ask me to be honest... I think our best chance lays in Europa this year. And I'll be there to watch every game.
1: Very briefly, Dan. You know why. Very, very briefly. Um, what do you think? Where would you be targeting all your efforts out, the majority of your efforts?
2: I've actually got quite a lot to say on this topic now. So I you can carry on ahead? with that
1: now, but I'll, I'll, I'll turn the
2: camera off for a second then. <laughs> I, um, I think it's a good question. Can it scuff for us or not? I think it could, but I also think it could help us. And one thing that I think we've seen with other games this year is that if we if we win them, it helps build momentum. Whereas if we don't take it serious enough and we lose a key tie, we could lose any momentum we build up around that time. So I think as a top side, you need to get used to playing twice a week. And I think that's the message from, from Mikel to, to the team. So I think go for both. I wouldn't be sort of discarding it. I also, from my point of view, I think I'd still prioritise the league with a couple of changes. Okay. Uh, me, I just, I want
1: to see us pick up the Premier League first and foremost, concentrate on that. If it happens that I have to sell a kidney or something like that, not that you want my kidneys, but um, if I have to sell a kidney to get a ticket while I'm out in Budapest, regardless, uh, that's that would be absolutely fantastic. Uh, but the Premier League... Coming to the Emirates, it needs a major trophy. It needs the Premier League. And then what the fans have done this season and last season, they've made it home, they've made it a fortress, get that big trophy. And then all the rest, all the other stuff that people go on about is done. Guys, thank you very much for joining us on a Friday night. Can you believe it? Uh, I think Irish Mick said guns and yellow ribbons Friday night. Uh, and a beer. Couldn't get any better. And Thank thank you for saying that, Irish Mick. Uh, if you like what we do, you know what to do. Click on the um, like and subscribe. Uh, we'll always be on YouTube now because Facebook have just scuppered us completely, so uh, cheers, Irish Mick. Um, early start for us tomorrow, uh, and I'm, pretty, well, last night I was down in London with my brothers. Wednesday night I was uh, at the football. Tonight I'm on here. Tomorrow I'm at the football again. Uh, and then I think the wife's out for dinner on Sunday, so I'm going to have to go downstairs and spend some time with the wife. Trev, thanks very much, mate.
0: Not a problem, mate. Look, Melanie knows as well, right? Melanie K knows. Good friend of the show, Melanie. She knows. 3-0 to the Arsenal tomorrow. And we're not going to... Let's just put it this way. Let's not prioritise any competition, right? Let's just go and bloody win them all, eh? Every bloody one of them. Because we are the, the Arsenal. Arsenal. You've been listening to Guns and Yellow Ribbons, an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans.
1: Follow us on Facebook at Guns and Yellow Ribbons and Twitter at Guns and Ribbons. And remember to rate and review us too.